Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 71 of the Watch Rolling Podcast. The Watch Rolling Podcast is a veteran-owned podcast that focuses on horology from a veteran's point of view, as well as brings valuable veteran resources to the watch enthusiast community. My name is Jason. I'm your host. If you're new to the pod, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. Uh, the Watch Rolling Podcast is brought to you by the Anti-Watch Watch Club. The Anti-Watch Watch Club is a 501c3 charitable organization that utilizes a drop-style culture with all kinds of cool stuff like the flag behind me t-shirts, knowledge and bottles, the whole nine. And they take all the proceeds and uh, basically provide veteran, Leo, first responder organizations with charitable donations. And they do quite a lot. I invite you to go look at antiwatchclub.org, check out their website, and see all the stuff they do. There's really just a ton of stuff they do. The, the products are great. T-shirts are great. Hoodies, you name it. And it all goes to help uh, some very important communities, uh, which I support and I appreciate. So the Watch One Podcast is also brought to you by Mushi Watch Traps. Mushi Watch Traps is a veteran-owned business the folk, uh, that provides well-priced and fairly-priced NATO straps, uh, watch rolls, you name it, all kinds of stuff, watch accessories. And they do so at a fair price. So check them out at mushywatchstraps.com. My personal favorite is their Mushi Nylon Strap, uh, especially gray, 20 millimeter. Oh, man, it's fantastic. It's the perfect frame for any watch you wear. And their tan canvas watch rolls. They are suede-lined. Awesome, like 29 bucks. Greatest thing you're ever going to get. But today's episode, episode 71, is a pretty cool episode. It's going to be an interview with Jake from GridBase.net. GridBase.net is a pretty pretty cool site that offers some pretty cool products. And I don't want to like bury the lead and kind of like steal Jake's thunder so he could talk about his, uh, his uh, company. But it's pretty sweet. And I invite you to check it out. So without further ado, let's get Jake on. And uh, welcome to the show. Hey, Jake. Welcome to the Watch Rolling Podcast. How you doing? Howdy. How are you? I really appreciate that intro. It was a great intro. Oh, and, nice, uh, man. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, you know, sometimes I have intros and I'm like, man, like the thing that the person's going to talk about is so cool. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to steal their thunder because, you know, I've, if I've learned one thing from uh, interviewing one on one, it's that you need to let the person, the guest's uh, personality come out and their passion for their stuff come out. So, on that topic, Jake, yeah. um, let's get, let's, let's do this first because I will always forget. Okay. What do you have on your wrist tonight? So today uh, I have a palm dial. Well, it's kind of a uh, it's a Rolex wannabe. It's from JB Watch Mods in Australia, but I actually got it secondhand from Justin over at Recon Team Watch Blog. Oh, nice! I ride over there for him, and uh, of course he's been a buddy for a long time, and he and I really fell in love with watches at the same time. But it was a palm dial Seiko mod with a fluted bezel and a little seven link bracelet, and uh, that's what I have on now. But uh, Typically, you'll see me with a G-Shock or something like that, uh, awesome. or or uh, like I was showing you earlier, a little fossil watch pickup that I find here and there. It really just depends. I like to get up and show out. Uh, I, I've never been to a family function dressed casually. <laughs> I like I like very high end dress with legitimate suspenders and nice coats and uh, high tailored pants with you know strong waistlines. And I'm a big fan of like 50s men's fashion. So a lot oh, yeah. of my watches are small dials like if you look back at men's fashion during that era men wore more smaller dials um yeah. on a lot of watches and uh, even some of the old like uh rolex date just and stuff like that are just really really small and i like that uh, i like that look so a lot of the times i'm wearing whatever fits the occasion you know if i'm getting into something we'll get a g-shock or if we're do doing it to the nines then it's going to be a seiko lasalle or something something yeah. of that nature but that lasalle yeah. sweet man it's really Thank cool. You. Yeah, really for cool. anyone unfamiliar, go check out the Seiko LaSalle's. You can find some crazy deals on them. 
Yeah. I mean, we've only spoken twice and I already know that I need to take a vacation to Texas to go to yeah. thrift stores. Cause I'm like here in Virginia, there's nothing. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, maybe I should go West, but there's nothing out here. I've seen that with that. That's cool. But, well, you uh, know, in the, in the South, there's like in the South now for sure still, but especially in the seventies, eighties, nineties, there was a lot of money. First of all, in Texas, you know, people were people who had family ranches for years and years and years were selling them off, trading for oil wells, had a ton of cattle. DFWs expanded tremendously in the last 20 or 30 years. And there's been a lot of people that financially benefited from that. And Texas, if you've ever seen the show, Dallas um, yeah. is, you know, kind of a gaudy belt buckle rhinestone. You know, uh, there's a company called Bolin Made that's based out of Texas, and they made all of John Wayne's belt buckles. You know, there's something about Texas in in particular, Boss Hogs Cadillac, Diamond Gold Nugget Rings, you know, where yeah. people just like had this kind of flash to them. So you had these country boys who grew up poor and could never afford anything, and now they just sold 10 acres of their thousand and made, you know, millions or whatever. And so they went out and they got themselves a gold nugget Texas ring, and they got them, them, them and their wives a nice watch or whatever. And a lot of this stuff has fallen by the wayside, not interested by the, by the prior generations. And so it ends up in these little, you know, country town uh, uh, little thrift stores and stuff like that, and people don't have any context for what it is or, you know, I mean, certainly some do. There's absolutely some good jewelers here in Texas as well. But a lot of this stuff ends up in the hands of people who just have no context or appreciation for what it is they're looking at. And uh, it's from a bygone era, so to speak. But if you know what you're looking for and you like gold, because it seems like a lot of old Texas stuff you <laughs> find is like gold and gaudy, you know. So if you like gold, gaudy, kind of flashy, big time Texas, you know, it's type of stuff, you'll find it, uh, no doubt. But I think that's another reason. The weather you know, keeping everything good and in shape and all of that yeah. down here, but also just kind of like where we're at in time now, now all the, all the heirlooms are in the hands of the kids and it's transitioning and people are doing estate sales. And so stuff just kind of ends up, you know, uh, around, it's a good time for, uh, it's a good time for radio for one. And it's a good time for watches and things like that. Cause radio is similar to a bunch of old, old heads getting rid of old radio gear and stuff. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Cause uh, I'm from Southern California. So, like cars are a big thing when I was growing oh, up. Oh yeah, the weather's so nice. You could just find beautiful cars. Yeah, that have been well maintained, and there's not a lot of you know a lot of rain, not a lot of snow and salt and all that stuff. So, right, I know what you mean by that. But uh, uh do you have anything in your cup? Sometimes we do a cup check. You don't have to if you don't want to. <laughs> I just finished a fireman's four. Uh, there's a little bit left in there. We'll kill it. Mm. I got a nice Cabernet Sauvignon. Very nice. My wife was nice enough to pour me because uh basically came straight from work here and then on my wrist tonight i have my my mule glashuta 10th anniversary sar timer mm. things a, a beefy boy hey man uh since our last conversation they dropped the the official jack mason dr pepper release did you see yeah it? I, I was yeah. hoping we were going to talk about that yeah so, well, uh, i just saw it today it's cool so let's let's get let's get your uh let's get your hot take on it Oh, beautiful. You know, absolutely gorgeous. You know, I think I told you that uh, previously, you know, and I know I've talked to Dustin about it too, that like my first impression of Jack Mason was not, I didn't know they were a Texas brand. I just knew it was a beautiful watch, specifically the Strata Timer. And uh, after the uh, Intersect episode that he did with Army and Time, I was listening to it, went and looked, and then like later found out that it was a Texas brand. But, you yeah. know, 
I'm not interested in the brand because I'm a Texan. If anything, the brand has made me more proud of Texas. <laughs> you know, it's kind of the yeah. other way around where I'm like, oh, cool. You know, what's next? A Whataburger watch? We're going to do an orange one? <laughs> you know, <laughs> just kind of <laughs> keep going down the road here. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I think it's a, uh, I've never held one in person. So I'm excited to, to get the opportunity to do that. I do not think that I will have the money on hand to pick up the Dr. Pepper, but I fully intend to pick one up secondhand. Right now, I'm right in between like a $1,400 radio and, uh, or I could do a $1,400 watch, which I think it's actually coming out at like $130 or $1,030 or something like that is what I saw. But I got to do the radio just because it's what's good for the business. But in another world, I would love to do both and I would absolutely be picking one of those up. And I'm sure I'll be able to get one secondhand. Even if it's not the Dr. Pepper version, though, just the uh, just the Strata Timer in general is just absolutely gorgeous in any colorway. And I love, dude, I zoomed in to see if they were going to do the 23 on the date because I kind of had a feeling that that's what mm-hmm. it was going to be, you know, for the 23 flavors. And they nailed it with that, of course. So, yeah. And then as a business owner, I was looking at it like, okay, they're going to do 230 of them. That's cool, right? 23. And then it's going to be a thousand. I'm like, they're going to make 230 grand off that watch? Like, because it's going to sell out. No oh, doubt yeah. it's going to sell out. Right. And then I was like, what is the cost on that watch? I need to be into watches, not radios, because, man, you know, if you could generate enough hype and build a quality enough product from a business standpoint. Wow. To have a quarter million dollar payday in probably a weekend. Yeah, you know, that, that's just an, an incredible business model. But they deserve all the success that they're getting, because uh, just from what I've seen and what I've heard, it's rare to find a product that's that quality made in America, specifically made in Texas and uh uh, yeah, congrats to all those guys. Was, I love seeing excellent stuff. There's not enough excellent stuff these days in general. <laughs> but seeing excellent stuff like that, excellent execution in the branding and the marketing, honing in on who their customer is, being loyal to that customer, putting out such a quality product. My hat's off to them from from every angle and every standpoint. And it's just so cool. Yeah, I told uh, I told Justin, I said, hey, next year I'm going to skip wind up and I'm going to go to uh, Intersect in Dallas. Cause oh, I'd like be to be awesome. able to see, yeah, I'd like to be able to see, you know, I mean, I can see Jack Mason anywhere, but it, it's kind of, sure. I think it's a little bit different, like in their hometown, right? Like you're, you're in totally. the back of the neck of the woods and, um, cause I'm pretty sure like walking around New York for anybody's a little, can make you a little, give you the heebie jeebies when you show up to any event that you're at. But, but yeah, I went, I, uh, I went to a, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I went to a Bergdorf Goodman's. I used to work trade shows and I was working a trade show at the Javits center. And the first watch that I remember grailing was like a 50s era fluted bezel uh, date just. remember oh, yeah. seeing it on someone's arm. It was like an old country guy. I used to work in like high fluting restaurants and stuff before I got into my career. And uh, I remember just being like gobsmacked by the old like 50s era date just. And also that guy came in with a Jacobin Co. that was insane that uh, uh, going to keep it PG for the podcast. But there was uh, intercourse happening on yeah. the watch face. Uh, to keep track of the seconds, my mind was blown. And it had like a little cuckoo door that opened and it would yeah. like show it. And then the cuckoo door closed. It was insane. This guy has so many cool watches, but the, the, fifties era date just, I was just like, man, that's the one. And I was in, I was at the Javits center for, uh, in New York, uh, this was maybe 2011 or something like that for a trade show and selling leather goods at the time, uh, handmade leather goods, uh, out of Texas. And, uh, Stopped into Bergdorf Goodman's, got a card. I still have the card from that trip. Oh, but wow. it was They had the 50s era date just, and I remember looking at it. I was 19 or something like that. I, you know, this was like a, like I said, first grail. Yeah. And uh, 
was just like, man, this is insane. Anyway, when you said walking around New York like that, I just remembered having like my first real, you know, come to Jesus moment with a watch when I saw it in Bergdorf Goodman's, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's the little things, bro. You'd be like, I, I still know, I, I know right now the watch that made me first notice watches and it wasn't enough for me to like really go off and find it. But, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen planes, trains and automobiles. Yeah, I have. Okay. So Steve Martin's were in a Piaget polo and first bro, if I ever find this thing, I don't even care what I got to do. I mean, <laughs> if I got to sell, if I got to sell feet pics, whatever. <laughs> I'll buy them, dude. Yeah. I'll, I'll start an OnlyFans and put my Hell feet yeah. out there. Cause that watch is so beautiful, man. It's got the, it's got the tri stripes on it. And, uh, yeah, I just remember seeing that as a little kid. Cause I was probably like 12 when that movie came out. Yeah. And I remember seeing that going like, cause I, you know, I was kind of a poor kid, man. So I, I mean, yeah, not I kind of, I was a poor kid in uh, Southern mean, California yeah. poor, which is a little bit different, but right. I remember seeing that going like, bro, that's, if I ever get something like that, that's when I knew I made it. I made it. I, I was a bit, you know, I was a guitar player growing up and, uh, Still am, you know, uh, casually. And John Mayer was a huge influence. Of course, Stevie yeah. Ray Vaughan, being from Texas, and then John Mayer ripped off of Stevie Ray Vaughan, and I mean that in a good way. And John Mayer kind of brought watches to me at like maybe 16 or 17 or something. And I remember the one that stood out from like, it was one of his first watch videos. He talked about the IWC Big Pilot that he had, like an yeah. OG one from Germany from the 40s. <laughs> and I was like, wow, like what does that watch cost? I went and looked, and I was just like, oh, okay, that's that's untouchable, you know, for forever. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. A little like uh, I would love to hear everyone's origin story on like what it was. You know, I, I had you know my dad Seiko or whatever, and, and like you know John Mayer, and just kind of along the way, just all these little influences of like finding a watch striking. It's such a good feeling. Yeah, it is. It's when you. It's funny, man. You you run across something, and sometimes it's something you didn't even think you would even find enjoyable, and then when you see it in the metal or whatever you're like oh wow like i have a totally new impression of this timepiece yeah but and this is a watch enthusiast podcast by 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 all means but we're here to talk about about your company and you and how you got there so why don't you just give us some background and like and you who you are and how you ended up with uh, gridbase.net absolutely um background on me goodness uh Forever bored, <laughs> forever bored of everything and constantly chasing new experiences and new feelings. Like my wife and I were talking about it the other day and I just want, like I'll see a guy, I saw a guy today that was on a moped with no helmet and he was just riding his motorcycle. I'm like, man, I like what a beautiful captured feeling, you know, yeah. but I see, I see time like that. I see space like that. And when the right song is playing, I think songs are like the way that, you know, we decorate time. So when the right song is playing in a particular moment, dude, I will just get absolutely, you know, awestruck by, by feeling. So anyway, I get bored regularly and, you know, I, I love these feelings and kind of chase these feelings throughout life in a good way. So, you know, very present and like very happy with where I'm at, but kind of always, I want that feeling, that tangible feeling. You can yeah. almost reach out of like, of like you see a dad at a boat dock unloading with his family or something, you know, and you're like, man, you know, how does that feel? So cinematic to me. I don't yeah. know if everyone looks at life that way, but I certainly do. And I remember, like I mentioned, I was a guitar player and as a kid would just tear apart all the electronics for my amps and pedals and stuff like that. Had no idea what I was doing, but I just wanted to know. I wanted to know what, what, what was in there. What is this button? When I press this button and it makes this noise, how does that work? Just 
forever have been like that, you know, and I thought that I was going to be a musician actor. And so I got an agent and I got a manager and I moved out to Los Angeles when I was like, I turned 18 in December. I moved to LA in February and I was out there for my coming of age years, you know, after leaving the house and I did okay. You know, I did some commercials and, uh, some voiceover work and whatever, but ultimately, um, that path didn't work out. My, my management structure changed and things got really weird. And something that was interesting about that time was it was the shift between social media existing and not existing. Mm -hmm. And at the time, all of everyone's manager and agent like the rule was that the, the historical rule was do not put your stuff online. Don't have a YouTube. Don't that was every manager said that. Every manager and every agent was like, don't have a YouTube, delete your Instagram, you know, because you didn't want casting agents to find something out about you the same way you would do for a job interview now or whatever. You know, if you're going for a serious job, you kind of pull that stuff off. They, that was the same sentiment back then. And it's crazy because like there was other people back then who decided, no, I'm going to go all the way with social media. And those are the Jake Pauls and the Logan Pauls and like all the big social media people of now are the ones who kind of saw what was happening back then. But if you were listening to your manager or whatever back then, they were telling you not to do that. And little did we know that that's what was ultimately like now you'll get a role because you have a million followers. You know, that is mm -hmm. your resume now. And so anyway, it was a very interesting time uh, to be a young man out there and to be doing that. And uh, I just found it distasteful. The biggest thing I found distasteful and why I left was because um, I enjoyed my time out there. I had an awesome time. I had a motorcycle when I was out there and just cruised the PCH and like, you know, did as much as I could possibly do soaking up the California sun, you know. And then I got to a point where I got really, really close on some big jobs and then I wouldn't get them because it would come down to like some little split hairs thing. Well, the family we casted was all, you know, they look a certain way and you are a little darker than them, you know? So it wasn't <laughs> about my merit yeah, about yeah. my ability to, to get the role. And I'm talking about this, this would come up multiple times for large productions, Viacom, MTV, Disney, you know, large productions where I would get to screen testing or I would get to whatever, which for those who don't know, screen testing is like, that's it. If you can get through screen testing, you got the gig. Now you're set, you know, and I would get up to these points and they would lose, lose it for some particular reason. And I just got so jaded by that. And I was like, you know what? I want to be a part of a career field where my merit cannot be subjective. You yeah. know, I want, I want what I'm doing. It, like, it's obvious that he's good at that. And it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. That guy's the best, you know, and I didn't really know what that was. But I definitely left California feeling that way. And then, uh, like I said, I had a motorcycle in California, got rid of it, came back to the States, picked up another bike. Family was begging me to get off the bike, so I got a car, totaled the car, ended up on a bicycle. And uh, that's how I was commuting around, like, shortly after I got back. Loved it to death. The bike, I went to the bike shop and got it on the bus. And I left the bike shop. I paid my last $250 or whatever for the bike. And it broke down, like, three times on the way home. And, uh... So I fixed it and like just kind of kept on rolling through with it. And when I was fixing it on my way home, I think it was like an eight or 10 mile ride. It, it rained kind of flat. And it was like this really crazy experience, but I kept fixing the bike to get home. And uh, I had this like ha ha moment that I needed to be a mechanic. And I was like, man, I really love this, you know? So I was a yeah. shop rat for years at bicycle shops until I finally became a bicycle mechanic went to uh, the Bicycle Mechanic Institute in Oregon, in Ashland, Oregon, got my degree there, got a job at a really nice shop in Dallas that was the shop for the Fiat race team. 
and oh, wow. did that at a really high level. And then ultimately met a guy there who I had no idea who he was. I was just kind of helping him out. And he was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I really want to be an aviation mechanic. You know, that's what my dad was. My dad passed when I was young. So I didn't get the opportunity to get to be in aviation like how I was when I was a kid because my dad would pick me up and fly around. You know, I lived on tarmacs as a kid and my dad would let me crawl through the belly of F-16s when they had the engine out, you know, and those were all like core memories of mine. I loved aviation, but it's not really something you can just kind of do, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So anyway, uh, he gave me a shot and I went and worked for him. And then I went to A&P school, finished that, got a job in aerospace. So really, I've been a tech my whole life uh, leading up to grid base. And of course, now I do that in conjunction with my aerospace job. But I've loved being a tech. I've gotten the opportunity to work on some really cool stuff from an aviation standpoint, uh, but also from vehicles and motorcycles and stuff, too. I worked at an LS performance shop for a while um, and got to do a lot of really fun LS performance work, hot rod stuff, and uh, worked at some old vintage shops, too, working on, like, 30s uh, hot rods and gassers. And so I've gotten to be around a lot. Aviation's far and away my favorite. But that's that's my professional background and kind of how I got there. Hopefully, it's not too aloquacious. No. It, it, that's, I think that's the best thing about interviewing anybody, man. It's like you're meeting them at a certain point in time, right? In their right. story. And yeah, I yeah. always joke around, like we joke around at work all the time. When someone gets a little like up on their high horse, mm -hmm. we'll be like, oh, that's funny, bro. Because everything you've done in your life has led to us being in the same cubicle right here. Right <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And then right. sometimes, some sometimes, that's a, yeah, sometimes that's a lift up for some people because they'll be like, oh man, you know, it's like, no, man, you worked really hard. You're here. You know, and, and you tell them, you know, he or she, you're like, hey, you know, it's only a step in another direction if you want to go or it's just a stop or another chapter in your life. Right. Yeah. Like and all that experience, man, leads to where you are now. And, you know, that's gridbase.net. So tell us, tell I, us everything behind I, it that you want it. I will. I will. And I want to say, too, that I remember being younger and asking people like I, I would hear them say that they had a job that I thought was interesting. And I'd be like, how'd you get that? And they would always tell some impossible story that was unrepeatable. <laughs> and I would always be so irritated by that as a young man. I think because, you know, I was homeschooled, but like even still the institution pre prevails. And like I thought that like you were supposed to do this, 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 and this and get this yeah. kind of job. And so I was always asking people, oh, well, how'd you end up doing that? And they would tell me some story that was just like, I'm like, well, shit, you know. <laughs> yeah. And now it's crazy to be on the other side of like I have that story and no young man has asked me and I'm not old enough to be able to like have that experience, you know, at only 30, but like when I'm, I'm going to be disheartened whenever a young man asks me like where I'm at or whatever. And I'm yeah. going to have to be like, damn dude. All right. So here's the thing. It's not repeatable. You got to just follow your own path. And like, hopefully I can get yeah. the best advice by that way. But you know, I really, really love my job uh, professionally in aerospace. And I really love my job and serving my customers with grid base and, and I'm very fortunate. And it all just happened by one common thing, which was I followed what interested me. Yeah. And I think that's like the most important thing is you have to, you have to follow what interests you. It's going to be hard. It's going to be uninteresting at times, but you have to always just kind of gravitate towards what interests you, not what's going to make the most money, not what's going to like impress people, not what's going to make you feel you know, anything. Just like you just have to follow what interests you and that's it and follow that relentlessly. And then naturally you'll end up with what you're supposed to be around because you're surrounded yeah. yourself with what's interested you. That's the only common ground between everything that I've done in life 
is I was interested in bicycles or I was interested in acting or I was interested in cars and airplanes and like all this stuff, you know? And it was like, I think that's one level of it. The other level of it is that like, because I didn't have my biological father growing around, I had a stepfather growing up and he is the best gentleman ever. I love him to death. Nothing is to take away from him. However, he was starkly different from my biological father who was rowdy, adrenaline junkie, mechanic, you know, and, and my mom, when she remarried, she re she remarried a safer, you know, spouse that wasn't so yeah. crazy. And so I have a lot of respect for him, dude. He took us camping. He had a, we, a lot of what I learned, everything I learned is from that man. So I have an immense amount of respect, but there was still something in that relationship where I didn't get the mechanic adrenaline side of stuff, you know? Yeah. And so I kind of sought it out as an adult. I was looking to replace like, okay, well, if my dad had been here, I would have learned how to do this. And so I yeah. kind of like adopted all these other things and put them in my life. And it's interesting because my father died at 33 and I'm 30 now. And I think by the time I hit 33 in some element, I'm going to surpass any knowledge that he would have ever been able to have had. Yeah. And that's a really interesting thing. And I'm not sure how that's going to affect me when I get to that point, <laughs> but it's something I think about when like subconsciously that's something I've been chasing. And then now I'm going to get to the point where, where I'm older than my dad ever was, you know, and have lived more life than my dad ever did. And that's a really weird thing that I don't think uh, a lot of people think about and uh, something I think about weekly. But uh, to get to the grid base thing and how we started grid base, uh, much well, real, similar. Real quick, Jake. Let me, yeah, let me yeah, yeah. Bring up an interesting point, right? Sure. And I, and I think it's important for, for my audience to hear where you talk about interest, right? And in, in, there's one word that you did not say. And it's a word I hear people use all the time. And I think it's like a hot, it's a hot catchphrase or whatever, but you said interest and not passion. And I've had mm -hmm. this conversation with people before, right? Yeah. Where they're like, oh, I just want to follow what I'm passionate. I'm like, well, I mean, dude, passion comes and goes. Yeah. Right. Like you talked about the Jack Mason, Dr. Pepper, you're going right. to score one on the secondary market because yeah. someone's passion for Jack, for Dr. Pepper is right. not what they thought it was. Mm -hmm. And they're going to put it on eBay and you're going to score it at a discounted price. Right. And then your right. interest in Dr. Pepper is going to score you a kick-ass watch down the road, right? And yeah, I'm, I may argue with the discounted price. I think those watches will <laughs> go up in value, but, but yes, hopefully, yes. Yeah. And then, uh, but it's like, you know, in my line of work, what I do, you know, so I still work for the Navy. But I've learned through my life, like I, my story is similar to yours. Like I didn't have my real father. I had an adopted father and he was probably the opposite, you know, like the dude just wasn't meant to be a dad, I guess. And, um, so I leaned heavy on the stuff that I intrinsically was interested in. And for me, that was painting, drawing, you know, listening to music. Like you talked about how, like, sometimes you see a moment and do you see life that way? I yeah. can give you an example in the movie Tron legacy, when he's out running the cop on his motorcycle and they're playing the son of Flynn by Daft Punk, that movie moment is one of the best movie moments in the history of cinema. I will argue anyone, anytime, because there was such a feeling in that moment to where they sync that that film video with the audio so perfectly. It's like a it's like a cyber noir, like yeah. it's beautiful, right? And it's the reason why I do a lot of the videos I do on Instagram for the Friday night sleep reels, because it's like, hey, I was inspired by it. like I want to make stuff that has a moment, a capturing moment for people, right? Yeah. But you talk about interest and you never said passion. And I just think it's important for the audience to hear that. The things that interest you will always interest you because yeah. most things don't have a finite end to them. 
right? right. Like you're going to start out somewhere and you're going to end up and you can be 90 years old and you, you didn't learn everything you could ever possibly learn because it's impossible yeah. and that will stay you longer. And then I think that you can be more successful following your interest and following your passion because I literally have made a living because I just like to solve problems. Yeah. Give me a problem. I'll try to solve it. Definitely. I think you can equate at my core values, what I would equate it to exactly like from a word structure standpoint is the difference between happiness and fulfillment. Like Uh I'm way more interested in chasing fulfillment than I am in chasing happiness because to me, happiness comes and goes. That's a beautiful up and down of life. I enjoy sadness too. I learn more during sadness and and loss. I learn way more during that than I do during happy times. So I'm grateful for those moments tremendously. But one thing that does not change with me is my fulfillment. My fulfillment cup is infinite and it's constantly being fulfilled. You know, it's constantly being just added to because it brings me joy and fulfillment and that doesn't go anywhere. So my happiness may come and go, but the things that fulfill me the yeah. things that feel fulfilling, that's just me at my core. So yeah. I think that's a, probably why I use the word interest instead of passion unconsciously because I'm way more interested in fulfillment than I am happiness. Passion about something and having that passion fulfilled makes you feel happy. But interest and following that interest and getting the results of being interested in something like that equates to fulfillment. That's yeah. way more what I'm after. You know. And I always tell people that that, that key word of fulfillment, the key part is fill right? Yeah. And that's how you build a solid foundation, man. Like you have a foundation of stone and not made of reeds or clay, right? Like you, as you do that, you become a different person and you become, you find yourself around other people that are similar in that, right? They're not chasing the short stuff. They are, they are firm in who they are. They're confident in who they are. And that allows, I think for much more genuine relationships and much more and not even beneficial relationships from like a what's in it for me, but just kind of like you benefit from being around other people like that because often they've went in search of this truth or information, whatever, and you learn from them because yeah, you hippie, know hippies would call it alignment. <laughs> You're in alignment, you know, with, yeah. with with the people that are, that are around you, what have you. Yeah, I think hippies would call it alignment. You know, Texans might just call it good old folk, you know, we just surround yeah. ourselves with the right people, <laughs> but yeah. it's just like, it's a, it's being in alignment with your life. And that comes, dude, here's the thing though, that comes at a cost of not having a lot of people around you. And I'm perfectly yeah. okay with that. Some people want a big gaggle of people. I got five and, yeah. and those five though are solid, you know, it's yeah. the most solid five. And a lot of them are very different. They're not like me. That's not why they're in my five. They're in my five because they all hold one thing common, which is that they are absolutely fully authentically who they are interested in what they're interested in and able to speak about it at a high level. So I want, I want to hear your opinion about that thing and I want to hear it differ from mine. And I want you to be able to like extrapolate it for me so I can experience. Cause to me, that's like, we talk about these experiences and stuff. That's how I get to experience your side of life. It's like, I'm getting to live too. You know, I only get my one really but like yeah. to hear about it like that you know my wife and i do this too when we have conversations or when we have arguments or something we got to talk about we get down to it on that level before like to resolve it you know because it's just so important that i want to know my wife like my wife yeah. doesn't take aspirin when she gets headaches the other night i was like why 
<laughs> it's irritating. Mm -hmm. I'm always like, hey, take an aspirin, you know? And like, I told her, I'm like, I'm going to stop telling you to take an aspirin because you're an adult and you can do that whenever you want. But I can only do that if you share with me the reason why you don't <laughs> do that on your own. Yeah. And I also want to share with you why it's important to me that I think you do that. And so we have this whole moment. We end up with this much deeper understanding and like a much, now it's not like I never have to ask her to get an aspirin again. She'll take one on her own. I know I'm heard. She knows she's heard. The end. That's like my <laughs> relationships with everybody is like that. And not a lot of people are committed to that level of what it is as accountability, first and foremost, you know, to be accountable for the way you feel, to be accountable for the words you say, to be accountable for your character and your interests and all of that. You have to yeah. be really authentic and really accountable to do that. And it's uncomfortable for most people, but man, I love when I find them though, because they're rare gems, but yeah. Anyway. No, I know exactly what you mean. And, and you talk about like, uh, time, right? I mean, it's, I'm always amazed when someone has like 30 quote unquote friends. It's like, it's dude, crazy. there's only 24 hours in a day. <laughs> it's crazy, bro. I got wife. I got kids. I got a dog. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And my yeah. dog's ride or die. Like my dog is right. Like that little dude deserves every single amount of time like like i felt bad today because like i came home today right? right and i had to get a bunch of stuff done real quick and he's sitting there looking at me like bro you haven't rubbed my belly yet like, <laughs> he's looking at me like what is wrong with you and yeah. he's a shiba so he has like really serious eyebrows and he's just like looking at me like oh you're dead to me you're dead to me for the next hour <laughs> you know what i mean kind of thing so yeah I get it. yeah but um so gridbase.net we're yeah. there we're going to talk about it because i think it's a great i think it's a cool a whole cool scene but i want you to talk about it because it's your it's your baby yeah yeah well i'm gonna speak sparingly on it and i'm gonna i'm gonna lean on you for input and direction okay because i mean i could really go off on this for for 18 hours straight right so i'm gonna avoid doing that stick to the high points but i'm gonna keep kind of guiding back kind of guiding you into another question so we'll do it that way but to give you kind of the, the how it started where it's at and where we're going type thing uh Gridbase started about a year ago today. Uh, my wife was pregnant with our son, and I was looking for the ultimate contingency in the event that there was no hospital to deliver him at. Of course, we've all heard stories about someone having to deliver a baby on the side of the road or at home because of one reason or the other, and uh, I didn't really have that resource. And I knew about internet in a box stuff because I used to live in a van, and when I lived in the van, kind of like softly got into ham radio and stuff. And so I, I knew about ham radio, internet in a box sphere. And it was mostly like a D it was, was only a DIY sphere and uh, really complicated stuff. I had no background with computers. I was just an iPhone guy, download apps. That was my whole like internet experience, you know, no computers, no, no nothing. And, uh, but when I, when it came to like my wife having a son and our son and me needing to like have a contingency for this whole, you know, giving birth situation, I was like, okay, well now it's time to do the internet in a box thing, you know? And so I dusted off my computer out of the garage, sat down and kind of got to it, bought a raspberry Pi, and was just grinding my brain through 14 year old videos of guys who spoke English barely, who were from India, who were just trying to extrapolate these concepts to understand how this stuff worked. And like I said, I'm a wrench turner guy. So problem solving is easy for me and like chain of chain of operation like i'm pretty good at understanding big picture stuff like that but never in the technical sphere it just was not my jam i, I just would have rather done anything else but a man with a why can conquer anyhow and uh loose paraphrase there but yeah i just was i re had a big why and so the how didn't matter i was going to figure it out and uh got like a working prototype and i thought i was done i was like cool you know i'm done 
And then, you know, just needed a little more. And I kind of wanted to add this. And as I got into it, I just found more and more and more and more and more options, you know, and like resources. And it just, you know, kept spiraling kind of. And uh, takes us to like November, end of November of last year. And I posted a TikTok about it because my wife said to, I had never, I really not ever posted a TikTok prior. Uh, was not even on it to consume media. Like TikTok just was not my thing at all. And, uh, really social media in general wasn't. I think I had like 40 followers on Instagram and it was all like, you know, friends and that was it. My wife was like, make a TikTok post, but I did, it went crazy. You know, I think it was cresting now like a million views and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comments and uh, just went really nuts. And it was kind of in that moment combined with, you know, everything that was leading up to that, that I realized like, man, there's probably a lot of other guys out of here like me who would love to do a project like this, but just don't have like the technical acumen or the time to be able to like sit down and figure this out. And it was a lot to figure out from the 3D printing to the programming to the what, you know, what resources were available out there uh, to what boxes everything fit in and what hardware you needed. I mean, when I, I remember when I was plugging in a cable one time, it was an SPI data cable or a visual like ribbon cable that went to the screen and I like had no idea how to do it, you know? And so just all this weird stuff that most people don't know how to do. I certainly didn't. And none of my friends did. And we're all sharp cookies to some extent, you know? And I was just like, there's more people out there that need this. Of course I had the interest on TikTok blowing up at the time. And that set us off for our first run of 14, which was all pre-orders people that just didn't know me from Adam, dude, just trusted me on a guy on TikTok who made a post, <laughs> one post, and just sent me at the time they were $1,400 because I hadn't gotten costs down. I knew nothing about business, really, you know. And so they sent, they sent me their money. I was holding 14 people's $1,400 money and was just like, oh my God. And uh, so, I man, I, I, I just kind of, blew the garage out and started making them and delivered all of them on time. When I told everybody I was going to deliver them, Nice. had no failures. Everybody was really happy with it. And, uh, in that course of time developed some really, really great relationships with people who knew a lot more than I did. One of them was a CEO of a big, uh, tech company who's now like one of the advisors of Gridbase, And he's just really helped me, you know, asking me questions that got me thinking and streamlining things and you know just stuff i knew nothing about and he's been so good with man he, he'll he'll break down his time for me anytime and just let me pick his brain he's just an awesome awesome guy and uh had, had kind of a few of those you know and now Gridbase is sitting on top of multiple products you know for multiple people we've got the computer that's obviously like what we call the base station which is a full off-grid internet in the box communication system that's decentralized autonomous and collaborative and it is secure as something can be and uh it, when, when i say secure i mean there's no microphones in it there's no gps data if you don't want there to be uh, there's just no way to remote listen or access the device if you choose for that not to be something that's done to the device small enough to put in a faraday bag so you can protect it from emps or any type of phishing that might be going on um, so anyway, it's just, it's, it's an incredible product and we've brought the cost uh, or should I say the retail down from 1400 to 999, which is huge, keeping the same profit mar profit margin. So as a company, we're going to be in business for a long time and we were able to kind of pass down that cost savings to the customer. So where we started off at 1400, now it's 999 and that's where it's going to stay. So have that for the person who doesn't want to get involved at that crazy of a level, we've got pocket and pocket is as easy as turn it on connect it to your phone over Wi-Fi 
and you have the exact same off-grid internet base that's on the base station that's the 999 unit you've got it now for 249 and that's all it is so if you had no cell service if you had no internet if you're at a cabin if you're in the middle of nowhere you don't need access to satellites or gps or any of that kind of stuff you just turn the device on all the information is locally hosted on the device and you're using wi-fi to transfer that data back and forth between the device and your iphone so you can have all of your internet things uh you know right there and when i say internet things what i mean is it's got all of wikipedia the entirety of it searchable it comes up just like regular wikipedia page does over 60,000 books on it ranging every topic summer and winter marine corps field survival manuals knot tyings uh skinning and field dressing canning medical uh of course like i started off saying that it was like a device because i wanted to be able to give birth in the field basically so of course it's got all the resources for that it's got searchable stack exchanges, which is basically like a Google on a topic. So there's a stack exchange for vehicle maintenance or aviation or programming or language learning. So if you had a question about a 1995 Ford F-150, you could go into the vehicle stack exchange and search that and you would get the top 100 questions and answers as it relates to all the mechanical aspects of a Ford F-150 with diagrams and hyperlinks and all those kinds of things. So. When I say all of the internet, or people might have a hard time understanding what that means, but really it's just different from a PDF in the sense that you're not just scrolling through a PDF. Uh, you're actually interacting with it much like you would a web page where you could search things and you know kind of get more information that way. And I think the best thing about it is that it can be utilized by multiple people at once. A big focus was that it was collaborative because you might be in a cabin with five people. And they have, you know, two of them might be playing Scrabble, one of them might be fixing something, whatever wanted it to be able to be like used like the internet where multiple people yeah. could share as opposed to just like if you downloaded a thousand gigs of PDFs, you know, and kept them on a hard drive, only one person can look at it at a time. Or if you had a medical emergency or something like that, multiple people could be researching, you know, the solution to a medical problem at once. So it's really important that it's collaborative and it supports at a, I shouldn't say at a maximum, but best optimal range is about 10 people at a time. So, you know, you have 10 people at a time being able to come up with solutions to problems or being able to entertain themselves. There is entertainment on it, music videos and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, that's all there on the device. So um, kind of turn it back to you now and, and unload any, any of that uh, packet of information there. Oh, no, I think it's excellent. I'm going to pull up the here on the screen real quick. I got the the base station pulled up. I think it's pretty... I think it's awesome, man. And I think I think why this is relevant, especially for like a watch enthusiast podcast, right? Is that man, you've been around watches enough to know. Everyone's like, I need a tool watch, man. I need a tool. Yeah. Right. Well, right. here's a freaking tool. This yeah. is this is a excuse my French, mother bleeping tool, right? Like it's it's everything that you want at the sink. And and I and I told you a funny story earlier. It's like I used to have a Gen 4 Ultima back in the day, right? 2007 Ultima. And, you know, I was newly divorced. Like, you know, I, I was scraping pennies, right? And I was doing a lot of stuff on the car myself, right? So, like, you know, the rotors, the brake pads, brakes, and all that stuff. And I, and I made a joke to you. I was like, man, it was such a pain in the ass to try to use my phone when I was changing out the cabin air filter. And if you've never changed out a cabin air filter on a 2007 Nissan Altima, you've never lived life, right? <laughs> um, the, the, it, it, I, when I first started in the Navy, we had these things called oxygen breathing apparatuses, and they were old, old school breathing devices that used canisters that actually pumped pure oxygen into your lungs, right? Via a chemical reaction, 
pretty sure it's not the greatest thing for your body. But <laughs> um, they had little rods inside them, inside a canister, and it was concave, right? And you had to you would adjust these guide rods to make the canister go on properly, right? Or else it wouldn't seat. And so if you have hands like mine, like I have a seven and a half inch wrist, if you had hands like mine, every time you went in there, you cut the crap out of your hands, right? They would just be bloody. Yeah. You'd have bloody knuckles. So like your chief and then would know if you were doing your maintenance or not, because if you didn't have bloody knuckles, you weren't doing your OBA maintenance, right? Right, right. That was the worst thing I'd ever experienced hand-wise until I, until I changed out that cabin air filter. And, and trying to use my phone at the same time was just a pain in the butt. And then the yeah. second I saw this, the second I saw it, I was like, man, I could have put this like on the floorboard of my car. I could have had it pulled up right. the, the way it's shaped. I could have like, you know, put it against the wall of my car and I could have just, you know, quickly reviewed the video or quickly reviewed the, the Haynes manual, whatever's on there and then kept it moving. Right. Yeah. And, I want to jump in right there and just say that one of the programs that, that uh, the base station has on it is you can, copy any YouTube link you want and it'll automatically download that to your home folder. So if you knew that you were going to go out into the field and maybe you wanted a, a video of like how to break down your rifle or whatever as a reference, you could very easily go in, download that video. It's super seamless, copy paste the link, and then you could build a library that way of videos that were important to you for field maintenance. You know, this is all something, I'm a tool guy. Like I mentioned, I'm an aviation mechanic, been a mechanic my whole life. I love tools. And this is a tool for the tech age for the tool guy, not the tech guy. I mean, I definitely do have some tech clients, but for the most part, this is for tool guys. This is for trying to cut out all of the craziness of like programming and stuff and deliver you a turnkey tool uh, where you may not be a tech guy and you don't have to be to get value and use out of the tool. There's definitely an adjustment. It's something to learn. It's a, it's a new piece of tech that leverages old technology. So it's kind of a little bit of a learning curve, but it's a part of what I do every day is I do walkthroughs with customers. And so I'll sit down and a part of what you're paying for when you buy a base station or any of my products is at least an hour long walkthrough for me to sit down and kind of go through, Hey, here's how to use it. And I don't know of any other product these days where you get that level of customer service. And I really pride myself on the customer service that I bring to people because I understand who my customer is and I understand what they need. And I know what I would have wanted if I was a customer of this type of product. And so uh, it, it is a tool. Um, it's a tech tool for the modern age that if all other tech things fail that we love to take advantage of, our iPhones or whatever, uh, you have something in the, in the event that that is to fail you, that these tools we rely on that are not, that are centralized and proprietary, you know, this is something where it's your own. And, uh, you know, on the timekeeping aspect, there's a program within it to get time from GPS. So if you're an accuracy guy, you're going to love it <laughs> because you can plug in the GPS and it uploads the time across the system to give you the exact time for Zulu and your uh, your your current location based off GPS coordinates. So, uh, you know, time's really important when you're talking about radio, which, of course, the device has a ton of radio features as well that maybe we can get into later. But time's really, really critical for all kinds of functionality and uh, satellite Doppler shifts, you know, knowing when satellites are coming, if you're trying to download radio I'm sorry, yeah. weather over radio, you, know, you got to understand Doppler shift in time. And so um, anyway, it's it's a clock, too, at, the, at its simplest, you know, the simplest tool. But I just wanted to jump in there with the, the video thing and be like, yeah, it does that, too. Oh, no, it's awesome. And I got the I have the pocket pulled up right now, which to me is probably now the base is the coolest, right? The base 
I look at it, I think of aliens, the automated turret machine gun computers. Um, but the pocket, especially the picture with the person's hand holding it, I think that's like the truest representation of a tool done the right way. Like this is something you could shove in your pocket, you could put in a pack pocket inside your jacket, whatever you want. And you have yeah. a ton of information there. Um, that a doesn't have a bunch of bloatware on it. Doesn't have a bunch of that. You know None. what I mean? No, it's, it's just, it's just <laughs> something that's really no, cool. no subscription, no bloatware, no ads, no, none of that. All the nonsense that we have to put up with to get information these days is just none of that. And whether you're on an airplane whether, you know, just whatever, whatever the situation is, whether you don't want to compromise having your device connected to random Wi-Fi or whatever. I mean, this is something that you can be sure is a secure way to get information when getting information is the priority. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, the, the pocket and I got to give credit to S3 cases, uh, Blake over there at S3 cases. He, they make watch cases and stuff, too. So uh, oh, really? got to check them out. Yeah. S3 cases. It's a family owned company. I think it's second or third generation. And uh, they're based out of Denver, Colorado. They do all their own injection molding and everything like that over there. So they're very compliant. They do sell to the government and uh, they just make fantastic cases. I'm probably randomly one of the uh, one of the foremost experts on cases because I've had to do so much testing. I've done everything from Taiwan, China, uh, Texas made, Denver made. I have have a ton of cases and uh, I've experienced them all. And the S3 cases not only from the product that they produce readily made that you can go and purchase on their site, which they do have a ton of those, but even their ability to custom manufacture cases, foam cuts, all that kind of stuff. They're just far and away one of the most professional companies I've ever had the pleasure of working with. And Blake over there, he's like 25 and it's the guy who owns its son and he's just hungry, man. He's hungry and he's trying, he's getting all the contracts that he can get. And, um, and so, yeah, it's they just do really, really good work all the way around. So check out S3 cases. But they, they helped make Pocket not only take it to the next level for ruggedness, water tightness, all of that. Of course, it's a rated case. Uh, but they also, just the form factor of their cases look absolutely beautiful. So have to give them their credit because awesome. it is due. Yeah, and anyone that's looking at this, when, when it when it posts, and this is going to post on Thursday, there's a hyperlink right here for S3. And I'll, I'll put the S3, I saved them. I'll put a... um non-sponsored but i'll put a link on my on the show notes for it so people can go check them out too because cool. i just took a quick look at it the t2500 case i've been Hell looking yeah. at cases too man it's um you know maybe we can get a i don't know if blake's into watches but maybe we can get him on here one day to talk about it blake is into watches man you, and i know he would love to talk about it you should definitely reach out to him and i'll, yeah. I'll reach out to him and kind of be a matchmaker there for y'all too uh because he's a real interesting guy to talk to young man dude i thought he was like 45 for, we know we talked we did a whole deal <laughs> We did a whole multi-thousand dollar deal for tons and tons of cases, you know? And the yeah. whole time I was dealing with him, I thought he was in his mid-40s or something like that. It wasn't until a phone conversation the other day where he and I were just kind of brainstorming and chatting that he let go that he was 25. And I was like, what? But anyway, no, he's uh, an excellent character, and, and uh, I'm sure he'd love to be on. But he is a watch guy, and I know that uh, he's, he's, a, he's a fantastic businessman, and uh, I don't think age – should really be brought up in the context of that course because no. there's been many there's been many young fantastic businessmen but the fact that he's existing today at 25 years old as hungry as he is and doing it as well as he is it's just tremendous and i love to know that people like him exist out there it gives me hope for the world yeah i might have to check out and get myself a travel watch case i mean i got some watch some watch rolls but nothing like a oh like guess a what case. oh guess what oh guess what dude 
He, S3 Cases, did the cases for Sanguine. Oh, really? Yes. I don't know if anyone out there is a Sanguine fan, but they did. Yeah, dun-dun-dun. But but yeah, S3 did the cases for Sanguine, and they did a private label deal. And uh, yeah, I don't think that's a secret by any means, but... um, it, but just as a testament, I think Sanguine is an interesting company and does, you know, some some good work. And so uh, it's just cool that they got a little match made going on over there. So they're they're integrated. They're integrated into the watch. That's thing. awesome. Yeah. Hey, so, you know, I normally have a whole slew of questions I ask. And I try to keep these to about an hour and we're at 52 minutes. Um, oh, I got one Goodness. one really. Yeah, it's man. Time flies. You're having fun. Um, I have one question, though, and I think it's important for, you know, veterans or anyone that watches, you know, the podcast. But, you know, it's geared towards, you know, especially if my fellow veterans or active duty can listen in or anyone that's just, you know, you've you've built a company, essentially, Jake, from the ground up, right? Yes. And we've talked about interest and, you know, greater than passion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you've seen the need. The need for you was personal. Like, hey, you know, if my wife pops this child out, I need to figure and we're in the middle of nowhere. I need to know how to do it, right? Right. And um, what would be one piece of advice you would give to anyone that's, you know, cause between you and me, you're relatively young to me. Oh, still. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm pushing I 50. Feel that way. Yeah. I'm, I'm pushing 50. I'm young at heart, but I mean like, you know, the truth of the matter is I'm pushing 50. Right. Right. And what would be one piece of advice that you would give someone that is on the fence about starting a business around something that they're highly interested in? I just double deed that interested too. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, to keep it simple, it will not work if you're not passionate about it. You know, it just won't. I mean, if if, if you're like me, uh, it won't work if you're not passionate about it or if you're not passionate about it for the right reasons. At the end of the day, the number one reason that I'm into this is because I want to provide for my family. I'm highly passionate about that and I want to buy my time back. I don't want to have to trade my time for money for the rest of my life. And I'm more passionate about that than I am about anything else. So it could have been grid base. It could have been yard mowing. But you have to have your priorities in order. And for me, my first priority is my relationship with God. And my second priority is taking care of my family. And uh, with those two things being in proper alignment, it's really impossible for anything that I put my mind to to fail. And so I think approaching it from that way and, and being able to accept um, criticism and, and being able to accept failures and hard times, nothing worth having is going to come easy, period. And so I think just being ready for that and uh, having that kind of grit going into something is critical whether it's yard mowing or whether it's a company like Gridbase, you know, um, uh, what, whatever it is, I think that's definitely the most important thing. Um, I, I, other than that, I think it's uh, from an actual business standpoint, if you want to get into it, workshopping your ideas, knowing how much time something is going to take, being reasonable about what you can sell it for. It's called a pro forma if you want to look it up, if you don't know what it's called. But, uh, you know, building yourself a pro forma for your business model is critical. And now with tools like ChatGPT and stuff like that, you can do a pro forma in like five minutes. You just give ChatGPT all the data that, of an idea, and then ChatGPT goes from there and gives you a pro forma. So it's really, really great to be able to leverage some of the tools that we have now uh, to come up with stuff like that, where in the past you would have had to have hired a legal team and a business advisor and all kinds of stuff, and ChatGPT can do that for you now. So I think being wise with the tools we have, leveraging those tools correctly, uh, but none of that stuff is going to mean anything if you're not passionate about it for the right reasons, you know? Yeah, no, I totally agree. And and I think that passion or that the interest is the base of it, right? You talk about leveraging technologies, you know, in the Navy for a long time, we used to do our communications during fires on, you know, paper, we had yeah. paper messages. 
And then we had little plastic boards you could write with a grease pencil on, right? Yeah. And then, man, the pushback when computers came out, people were losing their minds, bro. And I was like, look, yeah, there's like, there's a happy place, right? We still do the paper. We still do the plastic boards as backup, right? We don't lose that skill in case everything goes wrong with the computers. We still have that innate skill. And it was weird, man. People just really lose it. But I totally agree because uh, I'm going to go check out Proforma and see what's up. Proforma. Hey, do you want to do, do you want to do a rapid fire? I'm going to rapid fire all these. Yeah, screw it. Let's do it. Let's let's do a rapid fire round. Okay. So uh, what is a common myth about starting a company that you'd like to share? A common myth about starting a company that I'd like to share is that uh, you have to have the whole idea flushed out before you start. You don't. You're going to grow with that as time goes by. Look at any company and where they are now is not where they started. So you don't. You need to workshop the idea enough to where you can mitigate risks, but you need to most importantly get started and don't suffer from analysis paralysis where you just analyze it to death and then you never actually start anything. Whether you know everything about it or not, it's time to get started now if that's something you feel like you should do. The other thing is what is your biggest challenge in uh, taking and maintaining this company and how do I tack it, tackle it? My biggest challenge right now is time management. And what I mean by that is that I, I trade a lot of my time for customer service. And so I'm building a series of videos so that I can reference people to the video that would have been the same thing if I had spent an hour or two hours with them walking through the device. So time management and making sure that I'm having the most effectual use of my time so that I can spend that time with my family and so that the customer gets something that they can reference back to over and over so that it's a better experience for them on the customer service side. The most, most important lesson that I've learned from running my company is simply that um, kind of what I was saying before, as far as just getting started, you know, I knew nothing about computers or anything when I got started. And just the fact that I got started and put my feet on the ground and made it happen, uh, you know, it's not something that I would have initially thought was how it would have worked. I thought I would have need to have done more pre-planning or stuff, but you got to work it as you go along. Uh, the most critical personality trait that someone needs to balance multiple projects um, I would say is to be able to have knowledge of self and to be able to communicate that knowledge of self well with the team that you have surrounding you. So, you know, know why something feels the way that it feels and know how to be able to express that in a way to where your team can kind of keep you accountable, hold you to a high level of accountability so that you can progress forward in a positive manner, regardless of what the obstacle is. Uh, and in, in managing those multiple projects too, where ideally you have a team around you of people who can. Uh, kind of maybe kickstart an idea or refine an idea or what have you. Uh, One piece of advice that I give to someone running a company, especially if they have a full-time day job, is to get rid of sleep. You don't need it. Uh, (laughs) You can sleep like four hours or six hours and you'll be just fine. And one thing that I tell myself every morning when I'm groggy or whatever is just put your boots on. Just put your boots on. If you can get out of bed and just put your boots on, there's been hundreds of days or what was required was just putting my boots on. And so one piece of advice that I give to someone who has a full-time J job and they want to run a company is guess what, dude, something's got to give, right? If you have to sacrifice something to get something, that's the nature of every religion, every (laughs) tale of time is that sacrifice is required to gain. And so you have to figure out what you're going to sacrifice. Hopefully you're not going to sacrifice your family. If you're young, you have excess time. So leverage that time as much as you possibly can. The most influential mentor that I had during my company journey, uh, I'm not going to name him, but it was the gentleman who came on early on and uh, helped me out. Uh, awesome. The under underrated tools that's indispensable for running a company, ChatGPT, my legal team, my business advisor team, my financial and accounting team, everybody in my entire team is ChatGPT. So I leverage ChatGPT to no end. Underrated tools that are, are uh, 
if I could give a pre-company self one piece of advice, what would it be? It would be to focus more on content generation early on before you get busy with customer support. Because had I taken the time then to do the videos and stuff, it would have been easier for me to take that time that I had at the beginning and leverage it better. Kind of wish I would have done that early on. Um, when it comes to readers, what's your biggest pet peeve? Could you explain that question a little bit? Oh, I must have missed the word. You got me. I was gonna say I was gonna say customers. Oh, when customers it comes to customers. Clients. What's my biggest pet peeve? Um, I have no pet peeve with any of my customers. I'm very fortunate that the people who are customers of Gridbase are committed to the idea, committed to the reality. And I think the reality of, of what I'm building and what it is and what it's used for. But I think that has a lot to do with the way that I've prefaced, communicated the product. As an example, I really don't even let people buy a base station without like a 15 minute at least consultation to make sure it's the right tool for them. So I always make sure that the expectations are appropriate for the product. Um, so that's my, uh, so I, I, I do that so that I can avoid pet peeves, right? Yeah. So um, I do it all on the front end, so to speak. You know, I yeah. take the frustrating part on the front end. And hey, if you're not my customer, I'm totally happy with that. I would rather 10 happy customers than 20 customers and half of them are satisfied, half of them are not, you know? So I just try and make sure that uh, people have a good expectation coming into it to avoid pet peeves. So I do not have a pet peeve of my customers. Awesome. Future goals, uh, just to make Gridbase more of a security one-package solution. Not sure how that's going to happen. The best book you could possibly read is a book called Wisdom of the Native Americans. Go and try and find that book. It's absolutely indispensable. One question that I wish you would have asked me and how I would have answered, we'll have to save that one for the next podcast. My grail piece is going to be that date just and listeners can find me online at www.gridbase.net or you can find me on instagram or tiktok gridbase.net spelled out d-o-t-n-e-t i also have a patreon that's gridbase.net and there i do a lot more in-depth training and discussion of topics and ideas as it pertains to communication um and uh, we didn't even touch radio, but radio is a real, real big part of what I do and what the base station does. And okay. so as you can see, some of these radios behind me. So if you have questions about radio or anything like that, please follow up either in my email, info at gridbase.net or via social media or any of the other ways you can reach out to me. Awesome. Hey, well, let's touch base later, Jake. And then we can always do a radio episode and go in depth on that. Let's do a radio. Episode. I have no that problem, man. Smart. I want to, I want to learn about radio too. Well, yes, you got any parting good. shots, Jake? Well, first of all, I just want to say that the professionalism on this podcast is bar none. I appreciate it to no end. It's so nice to spend my time with someone who takes my time as seriously as I take it. And so, you know, to come into a podcast like this and to just have you be beyond professional and above board in every way is such a breath of fresh air. So I just thank you for oh. the platform. Uh, it's just a tremendous platform as a guest on it. And of course, as in, in listening to it, I do write for recon team watch blog. So maybe your listeners are familiar with Justin. So if you're interested in any articles, please visit recon team watch blog. Um, and you can find more about it there. And thank you so much for giving us the platform. You have an excellent platform and I'm honored to be on it. So parting oh, shots, just you. giving you, giving you your flowers because you definitely deserve them. I appreciate it, Jake. Thank you very much. Shout out, yes, Justin. Sir. Hope he's doing good yeah. stuff in Texas. And, yeah. uh, Hey, and like everyone, remember at watchrolling.com, you make the watch. The watch doesn't make you. That's right.